Welcome to episode two of the Dirt on Turf podcast. Today we have a special guest, Nolan Thomas from Nolan Thomas and Company Sports Turf Contractors. Um, Nolan and his uh, organization have done everything from the Philadelphia Phillies to some projects at East Carolina University, uh, Miami Marlins, uh, Notre Dame. Um, really awesome podcast today and talk about the trials and tribulations of uh, owning your own business in uh, the turf industry. Uh, we hope you enjoy. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specialize in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom nettings for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, scoreboards, overhead netting, barrier netting, sideline netting, golf course netting, and much more. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals continues to provide quality products and services to many recreational, high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, courses, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Welcome to the Dirt on Turf podcast. Um, I'm your host, Chris Toppings, and today we have an awesome guest, a good friend of mine, Nolan Thomas, owns Nolan Thomas and Company Sports Turf Contractors. Uh, uh, Nolan, welcome. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. It's good to good to hear from you, and congratulations on your new venture here. It's uh, it's pretty exciting for us, uh, us guys in sports turf. So, uh, I'm about picking me for the second show, but uh, we'll see how it goes. It's the only way only way up from here, right? That's right. <laughs> uh, give us a little introduction of yourself, Nolan, for the, for the listeners. I mean, I know. I mean, I know just. I could probably answer a lot of these questions already, you know, but give the listeners, you know, uh, just a little bit of your background and your introduction of yourself. Well, I've owned Owen Thomas and Company uh, for 26 years now, so it doesn't doesn't seem like that, but it's, we've got a few years under our belt. Uh, again, my name's Nolan Thomas. Um, I'm originally from Salisbury, North Carolina. Um, got married a uh, long time ago and um, moved to Oxford, small town, north central North Carolina. Uh, it's worked out pretty well. You know, we're close to Richmond, close to D.C., four hours from D.C., um, Charlotte. Uh, we do a lot of work down towards the Myrtle Beach area in South Carolina, a lot in the eastern North Carolina. So uh, fairly centrally located. So it's been worked out good. And I like the small town anyway. So um, uh, my wife and I, we just uh, celebrated 12 year anniversary of uh, Sunday. So um, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome, man. Pretty excited. I've got four girls, one grandchild. She's two. Keeps me pretty busy. Uh, love her to death. Uh, starting to get a little bit older now, so things are happening. Uh, <clears throat> went to Sand Hills Community College. Graduated in '91. Uh, it was a two-year degree. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade for nothing. It was, a, it was a really good education for myself. I uh, went to UNC Charlotte, and I just couldn't decide on what to do. Um, the years after high school and 
I guess I dropped out, worked for a couple of years mowing yards and got into landscaping and got an interest there. And, and it's this kind of our field and went to Sand Hills, um, went to a, worked for a landscaper for several years in, in the Raleigh market. Um, had an opportunity with a company in Oxford uh, that was building golf courses and uh, a little bit of ball field work. So I thought, well, that's a, that's a pretty interesting little uh, little niche. So I went to work for those guys for about three years. Um, decided to go out on my own in 1995. Um, been very fortunate, it's been a, been a good career so far. I wouldn't, wouldn't trade it for anything. So, um, so here we are uh, in the middle of a pandemic and trying to, trying to get through every day right now. Uh, yeah, that's the truth. Uh, it's been a crazy, uh, 2020 was a crazy year, even for us, you know, you, you came and did some work, uh, for us, uh, I mean, a drainage system that, I mean, it, it, uh, it, the investment that that was just the, uh, the, uh, the finished product, even while it was going on, just watching it work, you know, as it, you know, as that process laid out was amazing. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, this year has been, or this past year, 2020 has been crazy. You know, we haven't had the activity on our fields, you know, uh, yeah. fortunately we were able to cut part-time help and be able to stay employed. Um, how's that affected you? Uh, well, uh, one of the questions you sent out, I'll get to that in a little bit, but it's, it has been every day um, when the, the pandemic started, uh, I would say in March, you know, we were, you know, we're coming out of the winter, typically the winter time, this time of year is fairly slow for us. And we're always anxious, you know, when March 1st gets here, it's time to kiss the wife by and hit the road and, and, and start getting back to work. And um, we, were, we were pretty, pretty well set for the whole year. I was really excited. You know, we, we had a really good uh, 2019 uh, record year for our company. Um, you know, the economy is booming, everybody's working and just, this is awesome. So, um, you know, we hear rumblings about the, 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 the virus coming, whatnot, and I'm keeping my eye on it. And I was like, man, I, I don't know what's going to happen. And in April, uh, it was probably around mid-April, over the course of two days, I got three emails that completely, we lost our whole year. Um, I pretty much quit, quit looking for work. So um, it, it was just, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. We had one, one project going on at the time. Nothing coming in after we finished that project up. I was just, I was freaking out. Um, we were able to put together some work and keep the guys busy. Thank goodness we didn't lay anybody off. We actually hired a couple people. Um, and we, we got through the year. Um, not record numbers by any means. Other contractors I talked to or competitors, you know, we were all in the same boat. We just didn't know what uh, what's coming tomorrow. Um, you know, budget cuts, people getting laid off, you know, people not at work. Um, it, it was just one thing after another. <clears throat> so somehow we got through it. Um, this year, you know, there's work, but this bidding is it's a different type of work. Um, you know, most of our, our, our colleges and universities are just, for lack of, you know, just they're pretty much shut down. Uh, there's nothing really coming up. They're just hanging on. Uh, talk to other contractors, grading contractors out there, and they've never been busier. So uh, I'm just trying to figure out which way to to go you know what, what the next move is right now so um you know the weather's been kind of bad this winter also so that just throws another monkey wrench another challenge in there for us yeah absolutely so, uh, 
Um, well, you gave a, a brief, uh, I got up here, turf career history, and you kind of gave us that background. I'd say you, uh, did, did you, uh, you want to address that anymore? You think sure. you hit that, you, you hit that on the head or what? Well, I've got a few places we've worked. I've been very proud and very honored to have worked in. I'd like to oh, yeah, go, go ahead. through a couple. Um, through, and I'm like you, I'm a big NASCAR fan. And my second year in business, um, uh, I was just, I was the only employee in the company. Um, I was approached by Charlotte Motor Speedway. They had some drainage issues in their, I guess they call it the ball field, but the in, inside area, which is artificial turf now, but back then it was natural grass. So I just, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was there the next day. I got that phone call and I was right there the next morning. Um, it's a huge, people don't realize it, but that, the, what they call the ball field area is five acres. Um, so we had an opportunity to strip that out and regrade it so it would drain better. We laser graded it. Um, and the little triangles also was included. So um, I think we worked there for about 10 days and we could only work at night, which I'm not a night worker, I'm a day worker. It was, I never got adjusted to that project, but um, it went, went really well. Um, I thought, man, if my career is gonna be like this, it's just gonna be an awesome career. Um, you know, two years in and I'm hitting home runs here, but uh, that was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty exciting project for us. Um, been able to meet some awesome people in this field. You know, we worked at the Phillies before, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, Miami Marlins. Um, one of the, I guess, prouder moments that I have uh, several years ago, Coastal Carolina won the national championship. Um, they were on the way home and I literally got a phone call. Um, be here tomorrow. We're going to start, you know, we're going to rip our field out and replace it. So we were working if, when they finished up all their celebrations on their home field, once they got home, we were able to go in and we spent about, I think it was about a month there work re renovating that field. And that was a, that was a pretty special time. Uh, I think that was maybe 2014, I'm not sure. So um, yeah, we've been all over. Uh, we traveled to Mid-Atlantic, um, had an opportunity to go to Oklahoma a few years ago. Um, and we've been to Michigan a couple of times. Um, Worked at Notre Dame, so I don't like to name drop. But anyway, that's a few that I'm just kind of proud proud projects for us. So uh, I think I know a story about the Marlins. Y'all did a turnaround on like a concert or in uh, a baseball game or something. Is that not right? Yeah, we share uh, that with it. Share that with everybody. I, I think everybody so can appreciate that. It was uh, during the World Cup, but it was kind of like an, an all star type event. If I'm not mistaken, it was Brazil versus Haiti, I think, soccer. So we came in and took the infield clay out. We went down about two inches and took the clay out and put thick cut or sod on plastic down. Um, we had, you know, I think it took a two or three days to do that. We, is at our leisure? We got it all in. So um, they played a Sunday afternoon. I think they played two, two games on Sunday. So me and the guys, we took off to Key West for a couple of days and hung out down there while they played their game. So, but the challenge was, was the, they, we got the field back at eight o'clock at night on a Sunday night. Um, they had a pro baseball game the next day at seven that night. So me and I think it was six of us, we went in and rolled the, the thick cut up, discarded it, put the clay back, uh, got it on grade. And basically they, we were, I think we were finished by 10 o'clock the next morning, but we were all 
bug eyed. We stayed up all night working, but uh, we we turned we met the challenge. The guys the guys did a good job, and it was it was a pretty interesting little project. So, um, and during that time, you know, I think we had a I was I got sick when we come home with a virus. The guys down there were all sick with bad colds and. We, we just had to man up and cowboy up, as they say, and we got we went we got through it. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's all. I always love hearing that story. Uh, so uh, who got you into turf? Uh, who was your mentor or your role model? Well, I would say my role model is probably my mom and dad. I thought about this for a long time. Um, when I was at a very young age, probably I mean I could barely remember it. My mom. We had, I grew up on a farm and we had about two or three acres of grass to mow. My mom loves to this day, she's, we'll tell over here, she's 75 years old. She loves to get up leaves and mow grass. So she would put me on her hip and ride around with a snapper mower and we'd mow all day. And I fell asleep. And anyway, I just, I love, and I just, I love mowing my own yard these days. And even though we don't do it for our business, but, um, she probably is the one that really got me interested in, in, in I would say, grass at that time. Um, growing up on a farm, a dairy farm, a wheat farm, my dad had me on equipment, you know, the day I could walk, basically. And um, I just, you know, our, our farming and my career kind of overlap each other. And then I've basically done it my whole life. Um, he always told me, he said, whatever you do, don't go into farming. There's no money. It's too much work. It's, it's no money. <laughs> That's what he always told me. So... I had to pick another career, but had something something similar to that I enjoy. And um, those two probably got me got me into it. My mom and dad always supported me no matter what I wanted to do. It was, you know, it was a hundred percent. My dad actually worked for us uh, for a while. Um, as far as a mentor, um, there are several people you know that, that over the years, and one of them's your boss, Tommy Walston. Uh, we we've always shared stories and been become good friends. Um, Jimmy Simpson's another one. He, I can call on him. Jimmy with Town of Kerry, I can call on him anytime. And he always gives me a, a straightforward answer and no, no, no cake, cake coverings on him. So I, when I want a, a good straight answer, I call Jimmy. Uh, but early in my career, is a guy by the name of Ross Fowler, works at, worked at uh, Finley Golf Course in Chapel Hill. Um, he was kind of a, at the time, I needed someone to kind of guide and direct me in my, my career move because it was early in my career. And uh, I remember sitting in his office, you know, for several hours, um, several days and several hours, just, he would just kind of school me on the sports turf. And, you know, I was like, Ross, I'm not sure if this, if, if we make money doing this or not. And he just said, you got to work, son. Um, so, yeah, he, I would say he was a good mentor. And, you know, we've got Grady Miller at NC State. He's good to Good to ask questions. Uh, Dr. Bruno, he's retired now, but he's, he's a good one. I call early in my career and uh, always enjoyed to get to know those guys. Oh, that's awesome, man. Uh, well, we've hit on some of that stuff. Um, your day-to-day -day in your position, uh, I know that you run the company and all that, but a lot of times you're out there working. I mean, you're out there with them. You know, you're out there yeah. right in the middle of it. Um, uh, let's say a drainage project like the one uh, that I've seen you do at our complex. Give us a like a breakdown of your day to day of that, and just what's your day to day consist of on a on a on a extensive drainage project like that. Well, or any project, um, you know, I, I have put it upon myself to pretty much do everything this company has to offer. Um, 
I enjoy every aspect of it. It gets a little stressful at times, but you know, I, I own. I think the ownership part of it, um, making those decisions, are are easier. It's not easy all the time, but you know, I sell. I estimate. I estimate a hundred percent of our work. Um, I've had some salespeople come through and and estimators come through, and it just seemed like I was just never really comfortable with it, turning that aspect of the business over. So. Um, I'm on the phone, you know, a lot, um, traveling up down the road, you know, looking at work. I've uh, been, been in the office for the last probably month, um, sending out bids for this coming year. So um, I'm about ready to get out and get, you know, get, get my hands dirty. Um, but I do, I get on equipment from time to time. Um, just depends on how busy we are and what our, you know, what our workforce is like. Sometimes, you know, we can have you know, too many people or sometimes not enough. I know your project, your drainage project was a, was a fairly large project. I think it took six to eight weeks. I had a really good crew down there. I didn't really have to worry. We had another project going on in Virginia, which is about uh, three or four hours away. Um, so I checked in from time to time, but I just, I kept my eye on things and everything was going great. So I said, hey, I'll just stay on those guys here and let them do their job. And, um, but I, I've been very blessed to have some very good employees that come. I guess listen to me. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's um, for sure. Um, uh, high and low point of your career, um, what comes to mind? Um, I think when we get the, the, we'll go with the low point first. Yeah, that's um, always good to go with the worst first. <laughs> yeah, like I said earlier, this pandemic. I think when we, if we ever get through it, it seems like we, it's just lingering. But uh, it, it's been the most challenging. I think if we ask some of our my competitors, they'll say the same thing. Um, when I was starting out, you know, I left another company. It was we were building ball fields and everything was going great. And you know, and I, I was like, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a tractor and box blade and a pickup truck and a trailer. And I'm gonna go to work. And um, I I set myself up with a little office. I lived in a single wide trailer at the time. I set a little cool little office up. Bought a laptop computer, got myself a cell phone. I stared at that cell phone for about two weeks and never rang. And I was like, my God, what have I done? Um, I remember telling my wife at the time, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna get in the truck and I'm not coming home to find some work. I did that about five times. And every time I went out, I found work. Um, so I just, that was a very challenging time. It, it was it was super scary. It was not as easy as I thought it was going to be. And of course, word of mouth's been good, and one job leads to another. But again, I think this uh, this pandemic uh, is is really uh, made me step my game up. I guess appreciate our customers and appreciate our work that we have. So, um, but yeah, the high point. Um, I thought about this. I had several things uh, which we touched on in the, the history, but I think the people that I have met, in fact, I know the people that I've met and been able to get to know, 90% um, of the people I deal with, I, I feel like they're a friend. Um, they say never mix friends and family and don't take business personal and things like that. And I, I know all those rules, but it's good to someone like you or Tommy or just whoever get to talk and chat and people all over, pretty much all over the country I've gotten to know. Um, 
that's, you know, I've got better friends that are 10 hours away from home versus, you know, versus people I've got here in Oxford that are, are friends. So it's, uh, I would say that's probably the high point. When I look back, you know, that that's going to be just the people I've gotten to know. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, a lot of people that have careers and whatever their career is in, um, I've um, learned that there's no industry like the turf industry. I mean, yeah. it's I mean it's almost like a fraternity of guys and and girls. I mean, the people that are in the in the turf industry, they all lean on each other. And I mean, it's uh, I've made some contacts, you know, through my boss, of course. Um, he's very connected, but I've made some contacts and then took those contacts and made other contacts. It's just crazy how, how, you know, their arm arms wide open, you know, that, that phrase that's this industry is, is a hundred percent. It is that mentality. And, um, you know, we always I, get I like frustrated. It if I can interrupt you for a second. Yeah, I, go ahead. I like it because there's, there's no really no competition between the guys. Um, right. You see them on Twitter or, or Instagram or something, they're sharing their ideas. And <clears throat> now me being from the other side, I'm a, I'm a contractor and I've got competitors. So there are trade secrets that we kind of keep under our, our hat as best we can. A lot of times, of course. But, but, you know, the turf guys, man, you know, whether it be football or baseball or what they all, you know, you see them at trade shows and they're just, hey, man, I've seen them, you know, I've had results like this, that, and I think Zach shared a little bit few weeks ago um it, it is really you're right you're it's a fraternity it's it's everybody's real cool with each other that's it's, it's pretty pretty good organization to be involved with i do have a uh, another low point here i just thought of all right 9-11 back way back <laughs> when 9-11 happened uh that was back during the next tail days and my mom was actually working for us keeping books and i'll never forget this i was standing on first base at durham bulls the new Durham Bulls stadium at the time. And I got a beat from her and she said, are you watching the news? I was like, no, what's going on? And she said, it looks like a plane has hit world trade center. And I just, of course it goes from there, the store, but I was standing on literally standing. We were, we were air firing that field that day. And I just happened to be standing there watching the tractor run. And I got that, that beep. And that's where I was. That's where everybody remembers where they were at while I was standing on first base. Yeah. Alan Jackson Durham helped us with that, that memory where we are. Alan Jackson wrote a song about that. <laughs> That's right. And I think That's we all right. remember where we were that day for sure. Yeah. But so you say that was a low point. Did that affect your uh y'all your work any or or it was just a low point that you you can just remember just try, about falling to your knees. You know, that that didn't really slow us down at the time. Um you know, usually anytime after a weather event such as a hurricane especially I always worry because everybody's focus is away from ball fields, you know, and obviously they're going to focus on other things. And it seems like every time a hurricane comes through North Carolina, which we're famous for, um, things get a little bit shaky for a few months. So um, thank goodness we hadn't had a bad one in the last several years. Yeah, that's for sure. And where I live, I live down here on the Pamlico River. So uh, I really uh, don't like to see them come. That's for sure. <laughs> Um, okay, your uh, current and your current position. I mean, you're the owner of your company, but what are some challenges that you face? Um, I know the question is like turf damage, vandalism, turf wear, drainage issues. But what are, 
in your day-to-day operation, what's some challenges you face daily? Well, drainage is a good thing. Drainage problems is a good thing for us as a contractor. But <laughs> That's um, right. <laughs> um, I think weather. In fact, I know weather <clears throat> is always a factor. Uh, it has not stopped raining for a couple of years now, it seems like. So, excuse me. <clears throat> so, you know, we've always got, you know, employee challenges. Um, you know, I've been very blessed over the years to have good employees, but, you know, <clears throat> certain times, certain guys can't get along with each other, um, turns into drama. You know, I have to sort that out. Um, you know, but, but again, the weather is just, uh, boy, if I could just get some, some, some days of sun right now, uh, it'd be awesome. I'm, I'm dealing with a customer that they, the athletic director is inside. They're from an inside sport. You know, we start tryouts next week. When's our field going to be ready? You know, we walked out there the other day and both softball and baseball, you could just sink up to your ankles. Um, I've tried to text them. I've tried to be in communication with them. It's just, I'll get a, a day or so go by. Hey, is my field ready? When can you get on my field? And I'm just, I'm pulling my hair out. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, yeah, weather's the number one challenge. And of course, then people fall in number two. Yeah. Um, cultural practices that you live by, and I guess this can be a very uh, broad subject for you, uh, some things that you, uh, be the foundation of your uh, business, I would say, you know, turf stuff well, or equipment, anything. I've, um, when I first started out, I bought an air fryer and a top dresser and that went really well for us. I'm a big proponent of airification. Uh, I see a lot of fields over the course of the year and um, people that have the best airification program seem to have the best fields. Um, I know that's been kind of a, hot topic lately in our last several years. And it is true. I see it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we don't particularly spray. We fertilize a little bit. We don't really get into the maintenance end of it. Um, we spray some here and there, but, you know, again, it, top dressing is a big one for us in, in, in the summer. Yeah, for sure. I'm a big, uh, I know if you listen to the first podcast, I'm, uh, I am. That's the one thing I have dove into head first is airification. I love the aspect of it, what it does, the finished product of it. Um, uh, uh, so good that uh, we were able to acquire uh, state of the art air fire, and I really enjoy it. Um, it's a Wiedemann uh, uh, Terra Spike. It is an awesome piece of equipment, and I'm not. I'm not trying to name drop or throw any shade on any other ones. That's just the one that we went with. And cause we, we deep time, uh, and my boss is as deep as he, we can go safely without tearing equipment up. That's or messing, you know, hitting irrigation or anything like that. That's as far as we want to go. So, yep. and that's what we do. Yep. Um, okay. Workplace efficiency, saving money, name one thing or a couple of things in your career that stand out to you that made you or your team more efficient and or save money. So I was told and forced to say this, but hiring my wife is the best thing that ever happened to <laughs> Nolan Thomas and Company. So we'll make sure she hears that. So yeah, she she's been here since 2006. So I was anyway, I was told to say that. So anyway, <laughs> but it's true. She does a really really good job. She's probably the hardest worker in the company, and she has to handle all the phone calls and paying bills and 
collecting money. So yeah, she's been very, very good for us. But um, <clears throat> so during 2008, 2000 through 2000, probably 10 or 11, uh, we were in the middle of this recession. All construction pretty much had come to a screeching halt, um, kind of like now. So we've been buying lasers and whatnot and going in machine control for years and talking with my salesman um, of the company. He said, no, you ever tried GPS or thought about GPS? I was like, not really. So he educated me a little bit and kind of the, the, the technology advances. And of course, it's, it's pretty expensive, expensive venture to get into. So we sat down with my, my, my wife slash bookkeeper and, you know, do we, we cut, cut some people back, um, go that route or keep on doing what we're doing. We're not getting, making any head, headway with the way that we're going. So um, we went for it. Best thing we've ever done, um, you know, which we switched from GPS now to what's called LPS, it's local positions uh, systems, and um, <clears throat> it's just as it's just as accurate as laser grade, and it's way way more efficient. Um, we can do our every person in our company is trained to use the the, the equipment. Um, we can lay out our own projects. We don't we don't have to hire a surveyor. Um, it's been it's been a huge for our companies. So some companies are, again, our competitors are not really, it won't really help them a whole lot, but it's helped us tremendously. And um, now um, we've got two units, two crews, and uh, if a battery goes dead, they feel like they're shut down for the day. I mean, we're that reliant um, on that equipment. So um, yeah, it's helped us a lot. Uh, a couple of years ago, or actually last year, we bought the, uh, the ABI Force. Um, those little machines have helped our company tremendously uh, as far as our fine grading, uh, working tight areas. Um, I think we put about 400 hours on one machine last year. The other one we bought a little bit later, we almost broke 200 on it. And that's a lot of hours on a piece of equipment one year, um, especially for a small machine. So um, it's like a backpack blower. We carry them everywhere we go. So um those are, those are the best things that, that we've come up with in the last several years. So um, anyway, you know, always looking for something else as far as technology goes to put us kind of help us out a little bit, give us a competitive advantage. And um, I think we're using some of the latest equipment right now that's offered. Well, that's, that's awesome. And that makes, uh, and, you know, listeners that are on the brink of trying to decide if they want to do some construction, you know, to hear somebody with that kind of technology, you know, people need to understand that stuff gets into the inches. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, that stuff is extremely accurate and uh, yeah. it makes a, makes a huge difference. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Importance of continuing education and staying informed in use of technology, which you have uh, just hit on some of that, but yeah. how, how do you feel about continuing education and, you know, staying informed on technology apps, different things like that and the stuff that you use? Well, I go to three conferences a year and all three are very important. Um, I feel like at times it gets a little redundant. I've seen this, I've seen this talk before, um, you know, just they kind of just repeat themselves at times, but I feel like if I miss one, you know, everybody wants to know, in other words, you know, what's going on Nolan or where, where's so-and-so at and why aren't they here? And, but if you miss some of those talks, 
And, and, and I was taught in school, and it's true, you know, the repetition is the way you learn things. And uh, if I don't repeat going to these classes, and every now and then you can pick up something new. Again, I've been doing this almost 30 years, so I hadn't been a whole lot new that I hadn't heard. But, um, but every now and then, and I just think, especially for the younger guys coming up, uh, the, the networking aspect of it is huge. Um, just sitting in those meetings, and every now and then, you may have heard it, but there's going to be one or two things that every now and then that you'll pick up on. It's like, you know, you'll take back later on and say, hey, I, I, I didn't know that. And then you can Google it, YouTube it, whatever, and, and, and take it from there. So, um, you know, as far as, uh, you know, staying informed on technology, you know, I think we all have those weather apps. Um, I think I've got six on my phone. Um, if one says snow, I keep looking to see if it's going to rain. Yeah. I keep looking to see look for sun. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I save on my favorites on these weather apps. And, my, and I'll, I'll give a shout. I don't care. But Weather Underground is my favorite. Yeah. Um, I can save a favorite. So if we're working, let's say, with you guys out in Greenville or we're also working in Charlotte, you know, I can pull up in, in a couple seconds and see what that weather is going to do. Um, I've also learned, <clears throat> especially in big cities, um, weather webcams, um, traffic cams. You know, if we're, let's say, for instance, we're going to go to Raleigh for the day, um, and it's six o'clock in the morning, and our clients aren't up yet. I can pull up a webcam, and, and I can see if it's if it's actually raining or not. Um, so, now as far as learning goes, back to the learning aspect of it. Um, I remember, when we, you know, I first got a computer and got got internet, got the old dial-up internet, but I sat in front of that computer from days on end in YouTube and, you know, looking on websites and I could find out what guys were doing. I could just see a piece of equipment in the background and say, oh, that's what they're doing. It, it told it told a lot, especially during the, when big roll sod started getting taking effect in the late 90s. Um, I could see what people were using to install big roll sod and course we just went from there i guess i was still in trade secrets but um hey if it's out there it's free go for it um youtube videos on equipment um i look at those probably more than i should but you know my wife picks on me all the time i'm looking at a piece of equipment on youtube and but hey it's how we learn um our company uses an app called evernote and it's a it's a note sharing app um when when person comes on board here and they get a phone um that's the fair they get an email address and they get an app well we put a download an app on their phone called evernote and i can spell out the whole day address where you're going this is material you need and it basically eliminates emailing back and forth they can update it i can see what's going on if they got questions pictures whatever um i highly suggest that app for anyone uh just looking for something for us, note, note sharing, note taking. I, I, I've got mine full of notes. Um, so uh, that's been a really good, of course, you know, we use, we use Dropbox within our company also. That's been, that's been a, a, a game changer also. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, I've never heard of that app, but I've always been curious about finding one. That's, uh, that's pretty awesome. Is that, is it a paid for app, I assume? Um, it's free up to a certain point. I have the paid for, and I think it's $10 a month. Um, it's like unlimited stores, but my guys, they never go over that amount. So it's free for them. Um, right. And I don't think there's any advertisements on it either. Oh, um, that's, that's huge there. Highly recommend that out. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so we're starting to wrap up these turf questions here. Uh, getting down here to the bottom of them. What's your ultimate career goal, or what what do you hope to achieve, or have you achieved it? And if you did, how'd you feel? Um, I'm a goal setter. Um, <laughs> I reached my goal about two years in in the in the business, and I said, right, we, we need to go somewhere else from here. Um, in the last several years, you know, I want to be able to retire one day. Uh, I want to be able to turn this business over. And I have, again, I have four girls, um, granddaughter. They have absolutely no interest at all in the turf industry. Um, they just want to know where the next dollar is coming from, I think, sometimes. But no, I've got really great kids. I don't want to pick on them. They've got their own own careers. and But, uh, yeah, I want to be able to basically one day, you know, and, and I don't know. My wife says I can never retire because I can never sit still. But, um I want to basically be able to turn this business over and see it continue to grow. Um, you know, I've never been one to, I, I don't want to make, a, you know, millions of dollars and buy and sell companies. I, you know, I like our little, our, what we're good at and I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, have happy employees and just as long as we got a good reputation out there, it's all I really care about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we all, I look for that retirement thing more now than ever after the past year we've had, that's for sure. Um, a turf story, uh, funny or crazy turf story, uh, PG one, preferably that the listeners can appreciate. I'll tell you what, traveling up down the road, about 90% of my story, <laughs> you can't say, but, uh, I do, I do have some good ones though. Um, I'll start earlier in my career. Um, I hired this guy. He told me he was 18. I think he was 17 when this happened. We were at a uh, private island off the coast of Georgia and uh, we were top dressing, a simple top dressing job. Um, it was a little two day project, air fine top dress. Um, <clears throat> really, I can't remember the name of the island, I will in a minute, but anyway, I'm a, no, not all palms, anyway. So we're out there and we, we were taking lunch and there were some clay tennis courts being built. So I said, let's walk over there and check them out. So we walked across the road and, and coming back across the road, my side started hurting real bad. Again, we're about seven hours from home. And I, by the time I got back over to the job site, I could hardly walk. My side hurt me so bad. I had no idea what was going on. Well, I was like, well, let me just sit down in the shade for a while. And this guy, he had been with me for a while. He knew how to do the work. So he's top dressed. He's loading himself, spreading the sand. I'm sitting down, man, I am sweating. I'm hurting so bad. I was laying down, standing up. Well, it was a kidney stone. Long story short, I drove myself in a one-ton truck to the hospital in Savannah, Georgia. No idea what's going on. I was hurting so bad. It was, it was just awful. So I left this guy out by himself. So I spent, um, matter of fact, I don't even remember it all. They had me so drugged up trying to pass that kidney stone. I remember getting in the truck and it was dark. And I think it was about nine o'clock at night. So I slept the whole way home. He drove a one ton truck, 40 foot long gooseneck trailer. A guy had never driven anything other than a pickup truck in his life. Um, I wake up and we're pulling in the shop and he's laughing the whole time. He's like, I can't believe I drove this home. I was like, oh my God. Um, he said, you don't remember that bad rainstorm we went through? I was like, no. He said, you don't remember seeing that wreck that we almost got in? I was like, no. <laughs> so 
good Lord was looking after us that day. That was a, that was an event. Um, <clears throat> had another situation. We were working in Washington, D.C. in mid-2000s, and um, we were literally two, two blocks from the Capitol, a place called Gonzaga High School. So this guy comes walking up one day and said he was homeless. He needed work. And I was like, well, we're, we're okay right now. But um, he kept hanging around and sitting around, you know, and so he never left during the day. He was just always sitting in the stands watching us. So what he was doing at night was we had a tie crop top dresser. If anyone knows, it's kind of got high sides on it and a belt in the middle. And it's fairly large. It'll hold about four, four yards of material. He was taking a uh, piece of plywood and putting across the top of it and sleeping in there at night. So this goes on for about four or five days. I didn't even know it. So he finally told me. So we went home for the weekend one time and our, our equipment got vandalized. Broken, I think it was a broken windshield or something. So I paid him, like, I think it was like $40 a week or something. He kept an eye on our equipment at night uh, during the weekend. He, he, he lived in that top dresser for about a month. Um, so that was, I'll never forget, I, I can't remember his name, but I'll never forget that, that guy, man. He was, he was, he was pretty, pretty interesting guy. Um, when I worked for another company, uh, we actually were back in DC, um, you know, early in my career. So we're, we're trenching is actually at the American University, uh, fairly famous, uh, popular university in DC. And we were trenching some drain lines in. And I was a guy in a trench at the time, shoving the trenches out and checking grades. So we're hitting all kinds of stuff in this field. And one particular thing, we had a huge trencher. And he's beating and banging on this thing like a, we thought it was a rock. So we got this little maneuver you use with a trencher to kind of pull a rock out of the ground. Well, he keeps pulling and pulling. And I'm looking in there and it's not moving. And Finally, you know, after beating and banging on this thing about probably five or 10 minutes, he, he gets it and pulls it up out of the ground. It's, of course, there's a bunch of mud around it. So we pull it up on the ground. It's probably about two feet tall and about 10 inches around, beating the mud off of it. All of a sudden, one of the maintenance guys comes out of the, out of the shop here. He comes running down the hill, hollering, screaming, get back, get back. Uh, come to find out, it was an old World War I bomb head um that was not detonated oh so, god yeah we've got a picture of it and i've talked to kevin the guys with a few times we can't find it but we've got a picture standing beside with a shovel and just standing there grinning with our old polaroid shot but probably not one of the smarter things we've ever done but they closed the whole project down that section of campus down for a week and they took this big sonar and scanned the field um didn't find anything, so we continued to trench. So, um, but apparently that area was an old ammunition dump during World War One. So they apparently it happens pretty often up there. So, um, yeah, we we us old country boys, we learn almost learn something the hard way. Uh, yeah, that's a <laughs> uh, that's a uh, that'd have been pretty interesting to see. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anything you want to hit on in the, in the, your business, the turf world, anything like that? No, I just back to what we were talking about earlier, man. I, I enjoy it. I tell people all the time, I say, man, when it, I hope it never turns into work. Um, I've never, I can't imagine doing something else. Um, 
I felt like it was what I was meant to do. Um, <clears throat> just, I just love every aspect of it. You know, it gets challenging. We'll call it challenging at times, but I think about, well, if I could go do this or go do that, I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to be tied down to the computer all day, every day. Um, I don't want to you know, shovel dirt every day. So it's just kind of, I just put 100% of myself into what I do and I just, you know, keep on keeping on and for the listeners out there that might need some things done what uh just give a brief overview of just the things that you are the things that you do and things that you can do for them well we pretty much can do anything for us building and renovating athletic fields we build artificial fields the base part of it we don't install the turf or much of it um a lot of drainage work um you know, we've gotten into some fencing the last couple of years and just kind of diversify a little bit, some netting. Uh, fine grading is probably what we're most known for. Um, <clears throat> just, you know, pretty much anything ball field related, we can handle. That's, uh, that's awesome to hear. Uh, I think the listeners can appreciate it. All right, on to our other, some other questions. What's your favorite quote or phrase? Quote or phrase, I've got one that I saw on the guy's LinkedIn page probably 10 years ago, or you know, probably 10 years ago, and I've <clears throat> I've saved it in my phone, and it goes like this. It says, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. And that is very, very true in my world. Mm. People, you know, man, I don't have enough money and you know, we, we, we got, let's just use an infield clay situation where it's low and holding water. And I'll say, well, you're going to need 100 tons. Well, I only got money for 50. Well, if you only fill the bowl up half full, it's still not going to drain. And, um, you know, we'll say, well, all right, well, we need the work. So we'll go with 50 and try to make water run uphill again. I'll get a call back. And uh, no one, my infield's still holding water. It, it's a little better than it was, but it's not like we anticipated or something like that. And I just, they don't remember the initial conversation we had a lot of times. And uh, like I say, I think about that phrase all the time. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> go ahead and, if you can afford it, go ahead and go ahead and do it and get it done right. Do it right um, first time. That's right. That's right. If you're having your final meal, what would it be? Meal, place, prepare? Well, I'm from Salisbury, which is close to Lexington, North Carolina. And there's only one meal in Lexington, North Carolina, and that's at Lexington Barbecue. Um, I was raised on it, and every time I go in that area, I try to grab some. So that's my favorite. Um, <clears throat> it's always a big back and forth between Eastern, Bar Eastern North Carolina and Lexington Barbecue. Well, I'm going to pick Lexington. Um, so we've also got a place here locally. It's the best pizza you'll ever put in your mouth. It's called Pino's Pizza in Henderson, North Carolina. I'll give a shout out to those guys. I, it's so good. I took my wife, <laughs> I took my wife there for our anniversary dinner the other night and she didn't complain at all. So, um, hey, that's, a, a, that's a positive place, but it's some good pizza. Yeah, that's a positive for sure. Then, uh, if you wake up tomorrow and you've won the lottery, what's the first thing you do? What's your first non-essential purchase? Uh, I thought about this and I didn't put anything down. Um, I've got a drone, but I want one of those really nice drones. And I think you've got one also. Mm -hmm. uh, it's fun flying those things around. Been just something new. And that's probably the first quote unquote thing I would call a toy I bought in a long time. 
and uh, the technology with those things are really cool. I'd probably go out and buy the biggest, baddest drone on the market. <clears throat> I wouldn't have a boat. I've had a boat before and I sold it. Uh, a lot of maintenance, uh, that, that ran its course. I wouldn't really do that, that again. Um, if I bought a piece of equipment or another truck or a car or something else I got to take care of. So I would, I'll leave those things just to look at other, admire other people's. Yeah, that's for sure. I got a boat and I've learned that, uh, I got a nice boat and I go offshore and, but I've learned that, uh, it boat stands for breakout another thousand. I've, <laughs> I've come to understand that's what boat stands for, but, uh, it's, it's okay. Well, me and my wife, we first started dating uh, in 2006. I had a Mastercraft ski boat, and I love that thing. I still, still love to ski. But it took more time to get that thing ready and get all the food and kids on it and get everything going. And then time you get to the lake, it's time to shut down. It takes more. You have to dry it off and unpack. And it, it, it just turned into a lot of work. So we just uh, we'll, we'll, we'll freeload off somebody now and go that route for a while. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Oh, uh, some words of wisdom that you'd like to share for young and up and coming turf professionals, whether they want to get into business for themselves or if they're just uh, going to work for someone in the turf industry. I've got one that's very important to me. And I, it, you know, early in my career, I started thinking this and saying it out loud. Um, and you don't hear it that much, but take initiative. Um, don't sit around and wait to be told what to do. And I see that more and more with the young, young crowd these days. Um, if you see some trash laying on the ground, uh, shop needs to be swept, empty trash, can, whatever. I do it. I do it around the shop. I'm not too good to wash a truck or a piece of equipment. Um, if I see somebody standing back and you're watching me, you know, cleaning up around the shop or clean up around a job site. That's my, that's my, one of my pet peeves is that job site has got to be clean and neat and orderly at all times, no matter what. Um, you know, that, I just tell people, man, taking it, if you want to raise around here, you know, I, I don't really, I'm not going to sit around hollering and screaming at somebody. Else. I'm not going to do that. If I have to do that, they just need to go somewhere else. But, you know, I can see what they do. If someone's taking initiative and act like they, they're a part of it, um, it's awesome. And I, you know, I've been known to, hey, man, here's 50 bucks. You know, I saw you pick up a, a shovel or something, put it in the right spot or pick up some trash. And I'll go up to them later. You know, I don't do it in front of everybody. I just kind of pull them off to the side and say, hey, here's 100 bucks. Go get a meal or go buy something this weekend or something. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I like people that can jump in. And if they've got some work going on and, you know, People standing there watching other people work, you know, jump, jump in there. Um, you know, if you're working for somebody, you know, the bosses are going to see it eventually. Um, if, if not, it'll make yourself a, a better person, a better employee. Um, you know, come in early. Um, you know, I always hear, you know, if, if start time's at seven, if you pull in, at, if you clock in at seven, you're late. Um, get there, and I'm guilty as anybody, but. Oh, I am too. Get there ten minutes early. Get ready to roll, man. Um, hey, but I, I'll stay. I'll stay thirty minutes late though. But usually, uh, I usually I'm clocking in at seven. <laughs> well, same here. And you know, we have we have weird hours. Um, oh, I'm sure. Get a contractor. You know, sometimes you know we'll leave at five in the morning. Uh, most most time, you know, we try to start at seven. But there is no stop time. People, you know, new guys especially, they'll come in. They'll say, well. What time are we stopping? I'm like, when we, when we get finished. Um, that's when we stop and I get to work. 
Um, they don't always like to hear that, but after about four times of hearing that, they quit asking. Um, you know, we take an off this weekend or whatever, and you know, it, well, if we don't get finished, no, we're going to work this weekend. So um, <laughs> anyway, I'm getting off subject, but you know, be organized. Um, you know, I can't tell you, I'm not going to pick on anybody, but I have been in more dirty, and I'm pick on the minor league guys, more dirty groundskeeping shops than, than, than clean. But boy, I mean, a clean, neat shop is, is, is you just notice that, that stuff. Um, the guys are there every day, and they probably, you know, one thing leads to another. Next thing you know, you're disorganized. And um, hey, we get disorganized around here, but you know, they get a rain day or something. And, you know, we break the shovels and the and, and the and the brooms out and start sweeping and getting things back in order. So, um, yeah, you know, we can, uh, thing, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I'm sorry, but anyway, this you know, and a person's attitude also. I mean, everybody's got trials and tribulations at home and girlfriends breaking up, and whatnot. And man, I, I, you know, talking from the owner's perspective here, but you know, I've got problems, you know. You know, everybody's got problems. Don't bring it to work, man. You, you gotta, you got, you gotta knuckle up, and you know, and, and one bad apple can spoil a whole bunch. And it's so, so true. Um, I've, I've had some people come in here, and what they think is a big problem. When I hear what that problem is, is like, dude, really? <laughs> yeah. um, that's not a problem. You ain't heard problems yet. So, um, but just, just put on a happy face and using money more and nobody wants to come in, come in from, a, a, especially yesterday after Super Bowl, you know, we, we uh, had some draggers in here, but uh, at about nine o'clock, you know, we were, we were back right again. So um, another advice kind of touched on earlier, but, you know, just continue to educate yourself. There's no excuse with the internet, especially these days, not to be educated. There's so much out there on social media um, you know, Google, YouTube. Um, if you see something during the day, make a note of it and go back and research it and learn. Um, that's one thing my dad taught me. He, he taught himself after he closed the farm down, he got into construction in, industry, uh, building buildings at kind of a later age. I think he was probably mid, maybe early to mid forties. And he was starting out with college graduates and he read books and that man he taught himself surveying and how to build buildings and and he moved up quick so that that's one thing that he taught me is there's no excuse not to be able to educate yourself um highly recommending going to college um myself i've got a two-year degree i wish at times i got a four-year degree it holds me back at times but but anything's better than nothing um why you why you trade schools around or have night classes um public speaking business classes tax class whatever um so just just don't ever stop that that's my man public speaking that's huge i want to i want to we're not done yet i want to go back on some things you said uh a clean sure. workspace clean shop we keep our shop very clean for the most part yeah. uh, i have a i'm very good at working on equipment i do not know where i got that from uh mm -hmm. i probably got it from my dad me and my dad had built some classic cars um but my grandpa has always been very um very conservative, but he has been very successful. But I think that every time he bought a piece of equipment, uh, when, when I was growing up, I had to work on it. Yeah. So he saved his money and bought a piece of equipment, but I always had to turn wrenches on it. And I think that's probably where I learned some of that from. But uh, 
my problem with the shop part i usually keep a clean shop but i am bad for leaving a tool laying down like i'll i'll finish working on so i'll completely i'll put all new hydraulic lines on a on a uh, on a tractor and then i'll leave my three-eighths wrench on the ground and it'll fall in the grate or something like that and tommy's always on me he's like how about their wrenches you left out there on and i mean it's i've been there for almost 10 years and that seems like the biggest thing that i struggle with you know um but that's a keeping a clean workspace you know and organized you know, we're very organized when it comes to stuff i mean i leave tools laying around sometimes and i'm guilty of that for sure but you know we know where everything is for the most part when it comes to chemicals or when it comes to string for weed eating for our guys and another thing like you said initiative that is so important yeah. i've never been that person who waited for somebody to tell me something to do you know when i was growing up i was the only child and the only grandchild and i know some people are going to say oh god he oh that boy ain't worth a crap but i wasn't raised that way you know my granddaddy my granddaddy would pick me up in the summertime you know and he said i'm going to work and your mama's going to work but you're not sitting here you're going down there to your grandma's and she had about an acre and a half of grass out on the water on the pamlico river and i had to push mow it about three times a week you know and uh uh so that was my that was probably you know that taught me a lot about you know just do it do your job and do what you have to do and some of these, you know, we hire a lot of students and some of these, you know, I've seen the transition through the generate, you know, through the past 10 years of um, people standing around wanting to know. I, I tell those guys that when they start, I said, look, you know, I'll have a private conversation with them. I'll say, it doesn't matter what you're doing. I said, if you're doing something to benefit this complex, I said, nobody is going to get angry or upset with you because you are working. I promise you, I might stop you and say, or my boss might stop you and say, Hey, thank you for doing that. But we need to go do so-and-so, so-and-so. Now. I said, but nobody is going to be angry with you because you were doing something to better the complex. And that's very hard to teach people that it's not instilled in yeah. them. You know, it's very hard. That's a very hard trait to teach. Sure. I've had guys stand around and, and wait on me to make a decision for them. And even if I'm not there, they'll call me nonstop. And I'm, I'm like, guys, if you just, first of all, before you call me, I don't mind you calling me, but, you know, think first and you can probably figure it out. What would no one do? What would no one say? After about being with me for six months, you know about what I'm going to say. <laughs> but they've always, they feel like they've got to, so they've already wasted a lot of times an hour or two trying to I just like just just make your mind make a decision and go it may be the wrong one but I'm not gonna fuss at you for for at least trying that's um, right be confident that you made a decision you know yeah. and I'm gonna bring someone up um he's a former employee but you know him well Clay Clay Johnson uh, he'll never hear this because he don't get on the internet but he's about as old school as it gets and I learned he was with me for uh, about 15 years and we were exact opposite Bust and fall all like like y'all were related <laughs> but he is is a standout employee um basically his his he was tired of me and i was tired of him um but we shook hands and said see and we text every now and then checking on each other but um he was a mechanic and a truck driver for us and he was responsible for the keeping the equipment running that guy could do some of the most dirty, nasty jobs and never get a speck of dirt on him. I cannot figure out. My dad always said, he said, the best mechanics are the ones that can stay clean all day. 
and he we always picked on him because he was so clean at the end of the day here we i could walk outside my office and get get grease on me i'm the same way he is a very good and always clean and he carried a little tool i've got a big tool chest i carry around with me he's got one he's to walk tool bags and everything he needs is in that tool bag he never i don't, I don't know how in the world he got some of the stuff done he did but uh i wish more more was like him so i'm sure we'll get to him some of my my former employees will or employees will, will tell them I was talking about him, but it's only in a good way. So he's a good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I shared some good times with Clay. He, uh, <laughs> he's a knowledgeable guy when it comes to equipment for sure. He yeah, very smart. Yeah. Uh, I see. I've seen him bust a couple uh, hydraulic lines and be able to get it off of the turf, not do hardly, I mean, do damage. Maybe, you know, hydraulic fluid is going, stuff happens and it maybe be a spot maybe the size of a stop sign that he'd be able to consolidate that, clean it up, redo it where it doesn't look like anything's done and fix the piece of equipment and be back running within an hour or two. I mean, that, I mean, you know, that having somebody like that on your team is always extremely important. We definitely miss him at times. Yep. Well, Nolan, it has been fun. You know, this is uh, it's Tuesday, February 9th. You know, the clash starts tonight. Um, Who you got? Who you got tonight? I'm not really excited about it being the road course, but, you know. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm partial to Brad Keselowski. My brother worked for him for a little while in his new business adventure. Um, my brother's gone on. He works for a, a space company now, but he's a smart one of the, the two of us. But I, I I like Brad K. He's a good one. I like Ryan, your boy Ryan Blaney. He's, he's tough, too. I like to see him win. So Yeah, I like Ryan, too. Um, so, uh, Brad Keselowski married a girl from right down the street from here. Um, yep. I live in Washington, and uh, uh, his wife Paige uh, grew up in uh, Plymouth. Um, yep. So uh, yeah, he married a girl from here. Um, he, he he treated my brother and all his employees. You know, a lot of beside behind the scenes. You know, you hear stuff here and there through the media and all, but yeah, they're only going to tell you bad stuff. Scenes, most of the just the way he treated, especially through the pandemic when it started and the new business, and those guys weren't racing. I mean, he wasn't making money for two months. And he didn't lay a single person off and a new business like that. And of course, there's some high paid salaries. So he, he treated everybody very well. And I, I got a lot of respect for him. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Awesome to hear. Well, Nolan, it has been fun. Uh, I think the listeners can appreciate that. Uh, we're going to have two podcasts this week because last week we kind of were trying to get some people lined up. You know, this is a new venture here and hopefully we can get some good guys up here. Um, I got a lot of baseball guys interested and I'm going to get them on here, but I kind of want to, I want, I, I want everybody to be up here. I don't want it to be limited to baseball. I just know, I know a lot of the baseball guys, of course. So, you know, but I want to get a lot of, uh, a lot of different guys from all over the place out here. And I want to get some, some uh, people like Grady up here. I'd love to get Grady up here. I think once it gets established and gets going and Grady, here's a few, maybe we can get him on as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's been fun and, uh, I appreciate it, Nolan. Sure. I appreciate you having me on and good luck with the new venture. I'll, I'll listen to your racing cast and this one. So, uh, proud of you, buddy. Yeah, man. Thank you again for joining us for our second episode of the dirt on turf podcast. Um, give us a follow on Twitter. It's at dirt turf podcast. And uh, give Nolan a follow on Twitter. Also, his is at NT and A-N-D-C-O. NT and company is what that stands for. So give him a follow on Twitter as well. 
Um, episode three is going to be another good one. Uh, we're going to have John Turnhower, director of field operations for the Washington Nationals. Um, that'll be up later this week. Uh, thanks, everybody. Uh, hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're on. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, give us a shout out and uh, enjoy. <laughs>